This morning, God's Word comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 8. John, chapter 8. We're going to begin our reading at verse 42 and then read through verse 47. John 8, beginning at verse 42, what we hear now is God's Word. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalters to page 893 in the back section, page 893, and this morning I'll read for you Lord's Day 43, that is question and answer 112. Lord's Day 43, question and answer 112, what is God's will for you in the ninth commandment? The answer, that I never give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, I should avoid, under penalty of God's wrath, every kind of lying and deceit as the very works of the devil. And in court and everywhere else, I should love the truth, Speak it candidly and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to defend and advance my neighbor's honor and reputation. Well, we are very quickly uh, coming to the end of our study of the Ten Commandments as they're explained for us in the Heidelberg Catechism. We have seen that the law of God is explained in that last section of the Catechism, the section on our gratitude. Because we have been saved, how do we now live to show our love for God? And this morning we turn to the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness. We have seen that while many of the commandments in the second table of the law are expressed negatively, what we should not do, there is a positive component to all of them. 
We should avoid certain sins and commit ourselves to living in the way of righteousness. And the same is true with this command, the ninth command. It calls us not only to avoid false witness, but it calls us to embrace truth, to be committed to the truth, to speaking the truth, to hearing the truth, and to loving the truth as God has revealed it to us. Walking in the ways of truth is to be the character of the child of God. Jesus is going to address that issue of whose child are you in this text this morning. And uh, if I were given to catchy sermon titles, which you know I am not, were I given such a thing, I would have entitled this morning's sermon, Who's Your Daddy? Who's Your Daddy? But I'm not given to those things. Jesus is going to say, we're going to look like our Father. Either our Father, the God of truth, the God in heaven, or the Father of lies, the devil himself. When we talk about a commitment to truth, I guess the first thing we have to recognize is that there is such a thing as truth and falsehood. Now that may seem very obvious, but we live in an age where truth is really up for grabs. There are different perspectives on the truth. Truth is relative. Truth is local, which means what may be true for you is not necessarily true for me. The idea of an ongoing, abiding, absolute truth is anathema to our society today. That there are absolute rights and wrongs which put us all under obligation. Yet as children of God, knowing who our Father is, we must be those who are committed to the truth. Committed to speaking the truth. Our confession in explaining the ninth commandment says this, I should love the truth, speak it candidly. A commitment to speaking the truth. Jesus says in this, uh, in this story, verse 44, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. We must have a commitment to speaking the truth because when we fail to speak the truth, when we speak the lie, we are speaking the language of Satan himself. He is a father and the father of lies. When we take falsehoods, when we bear false witness, when we do not speak the truth, we are taking the devil's language on our lips. He is a liar and has been a liar from the beginning. We saw that all the way back 
in the Garden of Eden when Satan came and began to question the truth of the Word of God. Did God really say certain things? He began to twist the Word of God and make it seem very different, very miserly than all the blessings God had given to them. That's why I like how our confession puts it with regard to the Ninth Commandment, that I twist no one's words. I twist no one's words. That's what the devil did back in the Garden of Eden. He twisted words to make it into a lie. In him there is no truth. And words, speaking the truth, words are powerful. Words shape our view of reality. There's a, a, a subdivision of philosophy called linguistic philosophy. The way in which we use language and its connection to reality. Our words shape what we believe to be true about the world around us. That is true in the world. That is true in the church. One of the simplest ways to shape the truth is by simply repeating a lie over and over and over again. If we hear a lie enough times, it will begin to shape our view of reality. Even though we know it's a lie, it will begin to shape the way we perceive things around us. For example, how many times have we been told that homosexuality is simply an alternative lifestyle? It's an alternative lifestyle. Now, who doesn't like alternatives? I like alternatives. How many times have we heard, look, love is love. Doesn't matter if it's between a man and a woman, or a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. Love is love. And we hear these words repeated over and over and over, and it begins to shape our view. Homosexuality is not an alternative lifestyle. To use the words of Scripture, it is an abomination before the Lord. But we hear the lie so many times, it subconsciously sinks into us and shapes our view of the world around us. The words we use shape how we think. In the church, I recall back in the 90s when many issues were being discussed in the church. The words, the mantra that we heard over and over and over again is that the Bible is not clear. The Bible is not clear on whatever particular issue you want to talk about. Now, while it is true that there are clearer and less clear texts in Scripture, where the Bible speaks clearly, it speaks absolutely clearly. And yet we hear that refrain, the Bible is not clear, and it begins to affect our confidence in the Word of God. We are those who must be committed to speaking the truth as God has revealed it to us. Our words shape our view of reality. That happens in our relationships. 
The words between a husband and a wife, the words between a parent and a child. Kids, your parents want to believe absolutely every word out of your mouth. They want to believe you. Which is when you do not speak the truth, it is so damaging to your relationship. When you choose to speak the lie, it makes it so hard for your parents then to know, are you telling the truth now or are you lying now? There's all kinds of, of sins we can commit as children, but, but failing to tell the truth affects everything in our relationship with our parents. Now, we as those who are believers in Jesus Christ, we as those who are covenant members, must have a commitment, a commitment to speaking the truth and a commitment to hearing the truth. Again, from our confession, I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. Acknowledge the truth when I hear it. Now, who wouldn't want to hear the truth? Well, the reality is, many times I don't want to hear the truth. When the truth is unpleasant to hear, when the truth that comes from the Word of God points out my sin, I would much rather simply ignore those words, ignore that truth, refuse to hear it because it's unpleasant. We don't like to hear the truth when the truth calls us to change, to change the way that we live. We know that we must conform our lives to the truth of God's Word. And yet when someone comes to me and confronts me and I realize I have to change, my default response, and perhaps yours as well, my default response is to say, but that's just your opinion. That's only your opinion. Now we've taken it out of the realm of truth and falsehood. Because how can you question someone's opinion? The truth is, not all opinions are equal. And some opinions are dead wrong. Children, if I, uh, if I hurt my arm, I'm going to go to the doctor. And he's going to tell me what's wrong with my arm. He will give me his informed medical opinion of what's wrong with my arm. After he gives me that opinion, I do not go to a bricklayer to a farmer, to a preacher, to an office manager, to a student, and ask them for their opinion. Well, that would be foolish. Not all opinions are equal, and some opinions are dead wrong. We go to the one who can give us an informed opinion to help us understand the truth of what's going on. And the same is true in the realm of church and scripture. Not all opinions are right when it comes to the Word of God, and some opinions are dead wrong. Um, maybe you've been in Bible studies. Uh, I rather unkindly uh, call them shared ignorance Bible studies, where someone reads a text, and we say, now what does that text mean to you? Well, I think it means this. 
And what does that text mean to you? Well, I think it means this. And what does the text mean to you? Well, I think it means this. And there's a pool of ignorance. Rather than comparing that text, which we may not understand, with other texts, we get an informed opinion, the truth of the Word of God, or we go to a trusted commentary that we know is faithful to God's Word and get an informed opinion there. But we do not simply say, oh, it could mean a lot of things. There must be a willingness to hear the truth, the truth of God's Word. Because if we fail to have a willingness to listen, if we are unwilling to listen to the truth, eventually we become unable to hear the truth. Look at verse 43. Jesus says, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. That's not the best translation. Those two words, bear to, are not in the, in the original. It simply says, you cannot hear my word. When we refuse to listen to the truth, we become unable to listen to the truth. It no longer resonates with us. We close ourselves to the word of truth in God's word, and eventually, if we persistently and deliberately remain in that state, we become, become unable to hear the word of God and unable to hear the truth. Our senses become dull to the clarity and the beauty of the truth God has revealed. Verse 45, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God their unwillingness to hear the truth led to their inability to hear the truth. Again, we as believers must be committed to the truth of God's Word. Committed to speaking the truth, committed to hearing the truth, and committed to loving the truth God has revealed to us. Because God in His Word has revealed to us the most glorious truth that there is. He has revealed to us the truth of the Gospel. And that truth we must love and we must embrace. That we who were sinful by nature who continue even now to sin against our God, that we who were fallen and unable to do anything to save ourselves, God in His love sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come down to earth to shed His blood that we might be washed and cleansed from all of our sins. That is the truth. That's the glorious truth of the Gospel. 
A truth that we must love, a truth that we must embrace, a truth that continues to be declared today. That for all who put their trust in Jesus Christ, He is a faithful, sinner's Savior. And He washes us and He cleanses us from all our iniquities. God calls us today to hear that truth, to embrace that truth, and to love that truth. To be recognized as, as sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. The one whom we will listen to, the one whom we will follow. That's the bigger context of Jesus' discussion here, back in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, the truth I have revealed to you, you will demonstrate yourself to be a disciple, a follower, one who loves God and desires to follow God. That wonderful word of assurance that in Jesus Christ we are those who have been brought in, who have been washed, and who have been cleansed. We are looking forward next Sunday to celebrating the Lord's Supper together. It's our regular practice the week before to examine ourselves, to prepare to come to the table, and as we do that self-examination, yes, we will see our fallenness, and yes, we will see our sin, and yes, we will see our shortcomings. We must not stop our self-examination there. We must remind ourselves of the truth of God's Word, that, that those who by Jesus Christ have been saved from their sins, those in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, will abide in the Word, will love the truth, and that truth will set us free free from our condemnation, from our self-condemnation, free from our concerns. Am I really a child of God? Have I really done enough? Christ has done it all. He has done everything necessary that we might know the truth and be freed by the truth. Because the truth is our path to freedom. God reveals himself beautifully in his holy word, teaching us, this is how my children live. Not to bind us, not to enslave us. No, the law of God is our freedom. It is our truth. It's the path in which we walk. We are to know that path, love that path, embrace that path. As children of God, in our relationships with each other, parents and children, husband and wife, because in that path of truth, there is the greatest freedom that God provides. Freedom to live as he has called us to live. A commitment to the truth is the path of God's blessing. Commitment to speaking the truth. Don't speak the words of the devil. Speak truth with our mouth. Hearing the truth, even when it hurts, even when it calls me to change, because if I become unwilling to hear, eventually I will be unable to hear and to love the truth. Love the glories of the gospel that we have been made alive in Jesus Christ. We are children of our Father in heaven. And he continues to watch over us, to lead us, direct us, and bless us. Those who love God love his truth. Let's join together in prayer.
Lord our God, you are righteous, you are holy, you are the truth. And you revealed truth to us in your holy word. Lord God, may we never exchange that truth for a lie. May we embrace it with heart and soul and mind and strength, the truth that we belong to you now and in eternity. And may that truth shape us, shape our desire to live in a way that brings glory to you. Lord God, by your spirit, work in our heart through this word of truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We are going to read the preparatory part of the Lord's Supper form. That's found in the praise book in the back on page 44, if you'd like to follow along. From the back of the praise book, page 44, Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us give full attention to the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That we may celebrate the supper of our Lord to our comfort it is necessary to examine ourselves fully and further to carefully consider the purpose that Christ ordained and instituted in this sacrament, namely, his remembrance. The true examination of ourself consists of three parts. First, let everyone carefully consider their sins and ungodliness, that they may hate their sins and humble themselves before God, considering that the wrath of God against sin is so great that he, rather than leaving it unpunished, has punished it in his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, with the bitter and shameful death of the cross. Second, let everyone examine their heart to see whether they also believe the sure promise of God that all their sins are forgiven only because of the passion and death of Jesus Christ, and that the complete righteousness of Christ is imputed and freely given to them as their own, Indeed, so completely as if they had personally satisfied for all their sins and fulfilled all righteousness. Third, let everyone carefully examine their own conscience to see if they are fully determined to show true thankfulness to God in every area of life and to walk sincerely before his face. And whether they, with full sincerity, strive to lay aside all enmity, hatred, and envy, and earnestly resolve from this day forward 
to live with their neighbor in true love and unity. All those then who are of this mind, God will certainly receive in grace and count as worthy partakers of the table of his Son, Jesus Christ. On the contrary, those who do not sincerely believe this testimony in their hearts eat and drink judgment upon themselves. According to the command of Christ and the Apostle Paul, those who know themselves to be engaging in the following sins without repentance have no part in the kingdom of Christ and should therefore abstain from coming to the table of the Lord. Idolaters, those who call upon deceased saints, angels, or any other creature, those who revere images, those who engage in witchcraft, fortune-telling, occult practices, or other forms of superstition, those who despise God, His Word, and His holy sacraments, all blasphemers, those who seek to cause discord, factions, and dissensions in the church or in the state, all perjurers, all who are disobedient to their parents and those in lawful authority, all murderers, contentious people, and those who live in hatred and envy against their neighbor, all adulterers, fornicators, drunkards, thieves, the greedy, robbers, gamblers, covetous people, and all who lead offensive lives. All those who continue in such sins shall abstain from the Lord's Supper, so that they may feel the weight of God's judgment and condemnation. But this warning is not intended to discourage those believers with contrite hearts, as if no one might come to the Lord's Supper unless they are without sin. We do not come to this supper to testify about our own perfection and righteousness, but on the contrary, we come seeking life in Jesus Christ apart from ourselves. We come confessing our misery, admitting that we have many shortcomings and do not have perfect faith. We also confess that we do not serve God with sufficient zeal and that we must struggle daily with the weakness of our faith and struggle against the evil lusts of our flesh. However, the grace of the Holy Spirit makes us sorry for our shortcomings, gives us the desire to live according to God's commandments, and helps us to fight against unbelief. Therefore, we can rest assured that no sin or weakness that still remains in us against our will can prevent us from being received by God's grace and being made worthy partakers of His heavenly food and drink. Let's turn now to the Trinity Psalter hymnal and number 119E, number 119E, teach me, O Lord, your way of truth, and from it I will not depart, that I may steadfastly obey, give me an understanding heart. We're going to sing all four verses, let's stand together as we sing number 119E.
Receive now the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.